What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrex10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, are you ready? Are you ready to freaking go back in time to 1983 
because we're going to be in 1983 for quite a few episodes. How many? Well, I actually don't know because I didn't do the math prior to hitting record here today. So we'll just be surprised. Let's go with that. So it is time for our super spectacular, massive, huge, epic, big old retrospective for the year 1983. If you are a new friend of the show, then I'll just kind of explain things as I go as it concerns these big old retrospectives. So this particular episode, the next handful of episodes will serve as the odds and ends of 1983. And if you're not familiar with what that is, I will explain it on this episode and this episode only. The odds and ends are songs from releases that will not make it on the critics list at the end of the year, even when it concerns my countdown. So I like to do the thing where I shine a spotlight on these odds and ends and give them a place to belong Give them some purpose, some meaning, if you will. Odds and ends are songs that come from multiple places, whether it be single-only releases, soundtracks, EPs, live albums, cover albums, tribute albums. You get where I'm coming from. We kicked off our massive retrospective for 1983, and we kicked off the first episode of this Odds and Ends here for that year with the first song from the very first EP by Armored Saint, who was having their rookie year in 1983. You're going to hear a lot about the rookies of the year in these retrospectives, but it's nice to kick things off with a new band on the scene for this year. Armored Saint, one of the great metal bands coming out of Los Angeles at this time, of course featuring future Anthrax lead singer John Bush right there on lead vocals. And that song was called Lesson Well Learned, a song that had also been featured on one of the Metal Massacre compilations, either that year or the year before in 82. I'm not 100% sure on that. But let's just say that that track represents the Metal Massacre compilations as well, because I failed to check in on the volumes that came out in 83. I'm already realizing that I missed that. If I miss other releases on this retrospective, please let me know. I might be making a list for future apologies. And I don't anticipate too many apologies as far as not listening to the stuff and not doing the assignment because I got to tell you, I'm going to put myself over a little bit here before we get back to the music. I spent all summer listening to nothing but, basically, nothing but music from 1983, putting all of these episodes together, pretty much no stone unturned. All types of genres, man. You know, we do here on Rock Strikes 10, mostly rock and a little rock adjacent as 83 goes, for sure. You definitely want to get a little adjacent, give some passes out. This next song right here is actually an odd and end technically, although the original version of this song did appear on this band's studio album from 1983. And I'm going to do that thing where I am going to include a single but pretty much for the reason that their album, their full-length album, is just not making the cut here on my albums list. And as we go further into these episodes, I'll explain. But this actually comes from a 12-inch single. This is a 12-inch single mix. And once again, I wanted to include this song because it's such a strong song. And I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to the year 1983 if I did not include at least this single. Album that it comes from, not so much. But the single rules. It's one of the best songs this band ever did. Talking about Bauhaus. So enjoy this 12-inch mix. A true rod and end. A 12-inch mix of the great single, She's in Parties.
just another reason to throw some love at that 12-inch single mix. Just a little bit extra bass in there, extended bass line. That great bass line from David J. That guy doesn't get enough credit, but he turned in one of the best bass lines of his era right there on She's in Parties by Bauhaus. Original version, like I said, from Burning from the Inside. I just, I, I, I got to tell you, I thought I'd love me some Bauhaus. I know I love me some Bauhaus, but apparently... And I'm going to mention this for a handful of bands through this retrospective. I think, and just hold your hate, but I think I might be a Greatest Hits fan, like a Best Of fan for them. Like a Best Of and a Quality Live album. It's probably pretty much all I need at the end of the day. Yeah, it's a long Best Of, don't get me wrong. Like a double disc and the live album better be a double disc too. But yeah, I've been going through these retrospectives and the Bauhaus records are just not hitting with me. So, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. I feel bad myself. You know, I don't own the shirt, so I'm not a poser. I'm just being honest. But, man, that song is great. She's in Parties right there. A 12-inch mix, a true odd and end. And if you are new to this show, uh, I don't really do a lot of segues, especially on these odds and ends retrospectives. We just go A to Z, as you could tell. Start with Armored Saint, go to Bauhaus, and that gives way to the Bee Gees. Yes, speaking of European artists, but entirely different kind of thing going on. At this point in 1983, the Bee Gees are probably one of the least cool bands in the world. And they went ahead and hedged their bets on the fact that perhaps, just perhaps, that the sequel to Saturday Night Fever called Staying Alive would maybe give them a little boost, a much needed boost. Like I said, been a couple years since People really were buying their records seriously. And you can feel the decline. The 80s are coming in. And they turn in this song right here, which I like this song because it's so silly. And I do love the Bee Gees for the most part. And I realize that this song is absolutely ridiculous. But it's the good, the bad, the ugly here on the odds and ends. You know, of course, when we get to the albums, we get a bit more serious. But I like to have a little bit of fun with the odds and ends. So in case you've never heard this, you kind of have to hear it. This is what you would consider to be, because it's the sequel to Saturday Night Fever, they turned in what is basically the sequel to the great, iconic, huge, huge song, Staying Alive. So they went with this one right here. So strap yourselves in. This is the Bee Gees in 1983 with this song from Staying Alive called Woman and You.
The Woman and You Right There by the Bee Gees in 1983, the theme song from the movie Staying Alive, a movie that shows John Travolta reprising his role from the original Saturday Night Fever film, but this time around directed by Sylvester Stallone. I'm sure most film buffs know that, but I figured I'd throw that one in just in case. And also, to give a plug at the very end of this entire retrospective, once we get to the top ten, you're going to hear the C of CNJ Radio, my best friend and brother Chris, will be in to give you his top ten films of 1983. Should be very interesting. I can't even call an advance in my head just knowing him for so long. I have no idea what he's going to have down for the best movie, according to him, in the year 1983. But stay tuned. Got plenty of episodes to go before that. And this next song right here is actually one of the most recent songs that I have heard performed live now. Finally, finally, for the first time in my musical fandom and in my concert-going history, I finally got to see Pat Benatar as of last night. Went to Grand Prairie, got to see her, thanks to a very, very good friend for helping me out with that. But myself and my better half, Nola, went out to see Pat Benatar at the CU Theater. Great place to see live music. The sound was great. The band was excellent. Pat Benatar, man. And yes, her husband, Neil Giraldo in tow, the guy that wrote those songs with her. Pat is like 70 years old now, and it, it sounds cliche. People do that. If you close your eyes, you'd swear it's 40 years ago. With her, it's 100% truth. You close your eyes, you would swear you're hearing a 30-year-old Pat Benatar throw down on these songs. Like this one, for instance, this woman does not give up on the high notes, sings it like a damn pro. It's, it's amazing. You see some of our heroes out there that don't have the voice anymore and they got to go an octave lower or two octaves lower, whatever. And it's just not the same. But Pat, man, she's great. She is a true superstar and one of the great singers ever. So that all being said, I'm going to go with a very obvious song here because Pat right here has one of the biggest odds and ends of all time here in 1983. Probably her biggest hit, if I had to guess. I, I don't know the chart statistics on all of her singles, and she's got a lot of them. But I feel like even if it's not the most successful song she ever had, it's got to be her most famous song of all time. And a lot of people may not know this. It is an odd and end because it is a brand new song. And this is, this is a rare odd and end. It's a brand new song off of a live album, but it's a studio cut. Weird stuff right there. So it's like doubling down on being an odd and end. So if you didn't know this before, this song came off of a live album originally. And of course, subsequently, everybody bought the best ofs that has this song on here. You can't not put this song on any best of Pat Benatar worth its weight in gold. Of course, you know this song. Even the video is legendary at this point. So here it is. Probably the biggest dot and end on this entire retrospective. Here is Pat Benatar with Love is a Battlefield. Yeah. 
Uh, it's a little early to be peaking for the year 1983, but I feel like that's full 83 peak mode right there. An unintended in advance double shot, but I went with it. Honestly, just looking at those two songs lined up back to back while I was listening to Love is a Battlefield, I'm like, let's just go right into Flashdance. What a feeling, because not only is it one of the biggest singles of the entire year, I think it pulled at least a month 
at number one. If I'm right about that, that feels right. It's not on the level of physical as far as like success goes, but I think it was the second biggest song of the year, 1983, and I'm a big chart nerd, so I feel like that's right. It's like top two or three, but Flashdance, what a feeling. Irene Cara from the movie Flashdance. I've still never seen Flashdance, by the way. We've all seen those scenes, but I've never seen that movie. So shoot me a message. Let me know you're listening if you're out there. Is this movie worth seeing? Is it worth a damn? I should probably ask Chris. He's never told me anything about this movie, so I'm assuming he's never seen it. Maybe it'll be on his top ten. Who the hell knows? But what I do know is I've, I've often said this. I, You ladies out there, I am jealous of your anthems. I, I realize these songs are for everybody. I'm not saying they're not. But dude, Love's a Battlefield, Flashdance, What a Feeling. I mean, those are damn anthems, and wow kind of jealous they're they're very inspiring and i love that and that's really what great music should do is inspire so i'm not not trying to be cheesy by playing that song i i just think it's like perfectly crafted music honestly and loves a battlefield i i should have said this before i played it even though like pat and neil like wrote a lot of their hit singles that song was actually co-written by two of the great, great pop rock songwriters of all time, Mike Chapman and Holly Knight. If you don't know their stuff, you know it. You just don't know their names. But man, just two damn heavyweights right there. Some of the best pop-oriented rock and roll ever is written by Mike Chapman and or Holly Knight. That's my opinion, but I, that's my taste. And uh, what a feeling. A lot of people think that Giorgio Moroder wrote that song or co-wrote it. Uh, he did not. Keith Forsey co-wrote that song. That guy's name will turn up later on the countdown. But yeah, Keith Forsey co-wrote that song with Irene Cara. What a great, perfect song that is. I do recognize that that song did come off of a studio album as well, but it also came off a soundtrack originally. So that makes what a feeling a true audience. And because the Irene Cara album did not make my cut. but So that's my little bit of an apology there. But also, how can you not play that song? All right, let's move on here. Back to more of what I did earlier with Bauhaus, going into the more alternative goth British type stuff. Uh, another band, much like Bauhaus, that I may just be a best of fan. I, I'm pretty sure about that at this point. Although I, I recognize they probably have a couple of albums worth owning in full. But for me personally, I am a greatest hits fan of this band. And I'm going to play something by The Cure. They had a single only release in 83. One of their most notable songs in their early era is this one right here. So, from The Cure, this is Let's Go to Bed.
history and reaction to that song i know that to be a popular song or at least i have it on a few comps and best ofs and stuff like that but apparently this was like the turning of the tide and the style of the cure robert smith had gone through some bad stuff and he came out well on the other end and he wanted to write some more upbeat stuff as opposed to just dire gothy type stuff so this is apparently the kind of beginning of The Cure's pop phase, which I think is really neat because I definitely reacted to this song better than any of the early singles. So there you have it. But yes, A True Odd and End comes off the Japanese Whispers compilation, which is, you know, collecting some singles and B-sides and stuff like that. So yeah, Cure, Let's Go to Bed. Pretty cool tune right there. And something completely different, yet still very British is this band right here, which is actually a decent tie-in to The Cure. Not stylistically in any way, but the fact that this band has done a handful of pretty morose stuff too, and then just out of nowhere put out this EP of like upbeat rock and roll type stuff. And not that they're not a fan of that stuff, but I remember hearing their previous album being like, ooh, that's pretty downtrodden. But Dire Straits, who's starting to really get some buzz and they're going to hit a big peak in the mid-80s on both sides of the pond. Uh, they have this EP out here in 1983 called Extended Dance Play, which is a play on EP, of course. But yes. But yeah, I'm just including this. It's a notable band, and the single on here, it's a fun little song, and I like it. I think it's fun and bouncy and everything, so I figured, yeah, let's throw it on the odds and ends here. I don't play a lot of Dire Straits on the show. Once again, if I'm a fan of them, I'm a Greatest Hits fan, and I don't even know if I am on that end, but... I did dig this song, so you're going to hear it right now. Here's Dire Straits 
with Twistin' by the Pool.
Get it down. 
Okay, another double shot right there. Hope you'll forgive me for doing the double shots, but we've got a lot of episodes to get through here. And with the odds and ends, I tend to lean on double shots, even if it doesn't make sense. That double shot doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's fun stuff. Started off with Twistin' by the Pool from Dire Straits from their extended dance play EP right there. And we went right into The Doors. Yes, The Doors in 1983 officially released their second live album their second official live album and i actually remember one of my early mtv memories was seeing the video for that particular song right there they made a video to promote the alive she cried live album with their version of van morrison and them's gloria not a big van morrison guy but i dig the fact that the doors covered that song and they do a great version of it doesn't sound terribly live it actually does sound like a studio cut but that's because they recorded that particular track at a rehearsal for a show that would record that night and i'm glad they did because that's basically a studio version of a song that never got released while jim morrison was alive and alive she cried and that absolutely live album those are really good live albums for some reason the doors had a reputation of being sort of a ho-hum live act but of course the unpredictability and the shock aspect and the train wreck aspect but when they were on man they were pretty damn good and i like that version of gloria right there so there you go and not an end because it did get released officially in 1983 so it counts throwing some doors here on our 1983 retrospective i bet you didn't expect to hear them on here but like I said, I did my homework. No stone unturned, for sure. And we're about to finish up the show here with a couple of more British acts. And I'll just do a two for right here. You may hear from them later on as well on the album's countdown. We'll see what happens with that. But there was another hugely popular standalone single release in 1983 by this band right here who... Definitely giving the country uh, some Beatles vibes. Not that they were as big or anything as the Beatles, but they were calling it the second British invasion, even though it was a little bit of hype. But at the same time, they were legit huge in the early 80s. 
talking about Duran Duran. So the quick story on why this song came out is basically the label had them rush it out because they wanted product and they were just so popular. They were just trying to figure out a way to cash in on it. Basically the label putting pressure on this band, I'm pretty sure is what killed off this band so early. They burned really bright, really fast. And then by the time the third album rolls around, they're just in shambles mentally, physically, what have you. But there was a really good standalone single here by Duran Duran in 1983. This song got so big that when the label was like, let's figure out a way to push the debut album that didn't sell as hot, they went ahead and just inserted this song into the first album, even though sonically and material-wise, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's almost like putting God Only Knows in the middle of Pet Sounds, but there you have it. But yes, this song was added to the debut album that had come out like years before this. But it is a strong song and, of course, a great pop song from 1983. So here is Duran Duran with Is There Something I Should Know. Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now.
So I don't really have much of an excuse uh, as far as making that a double shot goes. But if I'm stretching here, both UK artists, both definitely seen as being the epitome of cool in their circle. I've started off with Duran Duran, throwing a huge pop rock dance party with Is There Something I Should Know? And then we cooled down and finished off the set with Brian Eno, who... Not a big Eno guy, but obviously I, I respect the guy. He's mega talented. I just don't pursue his stuff too much. And it's all instrumental. So for me, that makes it an odd and end. Uh, in 1983, he put out this album. I think it's his most notable. I could be wrong about that, but this is the record I see the most out and about. Uh, the album was called Apollo. It was intended as music score for a documentary about the Apollo missions. That song was called Deep Blue Day, and that's I actually own that song, so that's another reason why I included it here on the show. I originally heard that as music that was on the soundtrack to Train Spotting, so it's in there in a pretty prominent scene in the movie. So I, I had no idea that the song was that old when I first heard it, but it is a song that was officially released in 1983 on this Apollo soundtrack. So being a soundtrack and also being all instrumental, that makes it a double odd and end, so it definitely belongs here on the 83 Retrospective. Dedicate that one to my friend Chris Penn over at Good Records. Big Eno fan, that guy. So what's up, man? And that one's for you. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. We're just through Volume 1 here of The Odds and Ends of 1983. We've got plenty more to go. Some really fun stuff. Some of the best music of this entire year exists as an odd and end. So don't miss out on any of these. And, of course, we're building up to the big top albums countdown of 1983. How many will there be? Well, you're going to have to stay tuned, stay subscribed, and all that stuff to find out. But it's going to be a lot of fun. I can guarantee you that. So until then, and until the next episode, which should probably be out in the next day or two, stay tuned for the plugs featuring my better half, Nola, and followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend, Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on SiriusXM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, 
but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.